Hello, and welcome back to the Connected Divergence podcast. My name is Tina Etheridge. I'm a radical ADHD and ADHD acceptance coach, and I help people figure out what works best for their brain and their brain wiring through lots of experimentation and outside-of-the-box thinking. And today, I want to share with you a tool that I believe is really, really helpful for neuroplasticity and showing, supporting our brains in the act of persistence and the practice of telling ourselves and believing when we say it, that the small, tiny little things that we do, they count, they matter, and they add up. Okay, so before I jump into this tool, I'm going to go into a little bit of storytelling and sharing to add context and insight to what I'm talking about. So hang in with me. So this week, I finished the diamond painting I was working on. I haven't been sharing much about this on my podcast, but I have been sharing a lot about it on my Instagram page and especially my stories. And if you don't know, diamond painting is kind of similar to cross stitch, um, but instead of using thread and needle, you're using a pen that is loaded with wax in the tip. And these little tiny diamonds or drills, which are kind of like plastic beads, of different colors, right? It's actually the same system as the cross stitch color system. Um, but they're flat on one side, they're faceted and sparkly on the other side. And you basically pick one up, and there's a poured glue canvas um, with colored markings that show you where to place the different color diamonds. And they're very tiny, and they all add up to be this big, beautiful, magical, sparkly picture. And it's really fun, and I love it. So anyway, this week I finished this massive diamond painting that I've been working on since June. Um, it is huge. I don't know the dimensions off the top of my head, but it's it's really big. And it's only the second one I've ever done. It's way bigger than the first one I did. Um, but I did it and I spent roughly 120 hours working on this diamond painting. I didn't capture it precisely um, because time tracking is a really big struggle for my brain. My working memory does not support, (laughs) you know, very um, accurate time tracking, but I did kind of measure it based off of the amount of time that I spent listening to audiobooks, which is what I've been listening to while I diamond paint. And sidebar, total sidebar, but I have to say Diamond painting has been so great for me for listening to audiobooks because typically when I have an audiobook playing, I cannot focus on what is happening. My brain wanders off and the audiobook sort of becomes just like background noise. Um, Like I'm not even listening to it. I'm drifting away thinking about other things. But when I diamond paint, I am actually able to focus and listen to the story and get immersed in the story. And it has been such a mind-blowing experience for me to be able to do that because I usually can't. So that has been wonderful and I just wanted to share that. But anyway, jumping back into it, the reason why I decided to pick up diamond painting was because a couple months ago, I was reading Sam Garcia's book, Regenerative Business, which is a wonderful book. And I, as I was reading, I stumbled across a page that said, you need to have hobbies outside of work, outside of your business. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. I have been called out. She has found me out. She caught me. And she did. I have made, and I'll say this for myself, I have made immense and wonderful strides toward 
um, doing things for the joy of doing them in the last couple years. But, and I'll use the word and, also there are areas that I'm still struggling with. And one of them is having like hobbies. And I'll, I'll maybe use the word hobbies of like hyperfixations, right? Special interest level hobbies outside of work. I have held myself back from pursuing especially the things that I know will suck me away. And it's been interesting. When I when I really look at it and I investigate it, there are some interesting nuances that I can explore. So I was taught when I was young, right? Like do well in school, get a good job, be successful in life, then you'll be happy. And so my parents really encouraged me to read. You know, they saw that I loved reading as, you know, I was like a toddler basically. And they're like, yep, keep going. <laughs> Read more. The more reading, the more better. And so that was a sort of hyperfixation that I had as a child and as a teenager that was encouraged and supported. But other hyperfixations I had were not. Um, there was a time when I got really into playing video games, World of Warcraft, and that that they did not treat that the same way that was a waste of time it was rotting my brain it was taking me away from you know school and my work for school and everything else and that was frowned upon or disparaged i'm not sure what the right word is and so i have been carrying with me this feeling of there are certain hyperfixations that are good and productive and there are certain hyperfixations that are bad and a waste of time right? Not consciously, but on an unconscious level, right? I'm bringing it consciously now. I see it now, but you know, in the last six months, two years, three years, I hadn't really seen that. 10 years, whatever. But now I have this awareness of, oh my gosh, here's an unconscious level belief, this unconscious programming that I've been carrying that there are certain hyperfixations that are good and there are certain hyperfixations that are bad or a waste of time or not productive. And all of that is combined and layered with this other feeling that I have, right? When it comes to my hyperfixations, they feel like a laser beam, right? Here's my all or nothing thinking, <laughs> jumping in, a laser beam of, okay, I can, um, you know, hyperfixate on something and something like work, right? That's kind of what I've told myself. It's okay to hyperfixate on work. It's great to hyperfixate on work. Point the laser beam in this particular direction and you know, keep it narrow, keep it limited. Because again, in my brain, it's felt like all or nothing, right? I either hyperfixate on work or I give myself permission to hyperfixate on playing video games um, or these other hobbies that my brain has known, right? Like my boyfriend has asked me so many times, play this game, this game's so good. Why don't you try playing it? I think you'll really like it. And I've told him multiple times, no, it's dangerous or it's risky. And he'll be like, what are you talking about? And what's going on in my brain is this thinking of, oh, but if I give myself permission to play this video game, I'm going to get so sucked into it. It'll be just like when I was a teenager and I won't get any of my schoolwork done. I won't get any of my work done. And, you know, the spiral, <laughs> the spiral that happens of like disaster and financial ruin and relationship ruin and doom. And so I haven't, I have not given myself permission to have certain hobbies outside of work. Again, like reading, my brain will be like, yep, okay, yep, it's great to read because my parents saw me, it was super good to read. But other hobbies like video games, no, those are not allowed. Those are quote, quote unquote bad. So when I read Sam Garcia's words of you need to have hobbies outside of work, I was like, oh my God, I have been called out. 
And I felt some resistance there of like, no, I don't. Because if I don't, then, you know, the spiral catastrophe of disaster and doom and never wanting to work ever again and never, (laughs) never getting anything done ever again. And that's what was happening in my brain. But I thought to myself, you know what? Let me experiment with this, right? It's been a long time since I've given myself permission to have these intense hyperfixation hobbies. Why not experiment with it and see what it feels like? See what happens. See, you know, what are the results? What are, What's the data? What information can I learn about myself while doing this? Knowing that any experiment I do doesn't have to be permanent. It doesn't have to be forever. And if I don't like it, if it's not working for me, I can change it. And so right around this time, I was, I think I was on Reddit and I saw somebody sharing their diamond painting um, and I was blown away. I mean, the artwork was so gorgeous and so cool and I had this thought of like, oh my gosh, I really, I've always wanted to do this since like 2020 when it got really popular. I've always wanted to try this. I've never tried it. Why not? Let me experiment, right? Let me experiment and use this as an experiment. And so I gave myself permission to diamond paint um, with a couple of rules to help with my impulsive spending. So I've been on a lot of, right, I hyperfixated. So I've been on a lot of Facebook groups, a lot of uh, Reddit, subreddits, and there are a lot of people in this hobby that have these diamond painting stashes of like, 30, 50, 100, 200 diamond paintings in their stash so that like they haven't completed yet. And I knew for myself when I worked on my first tiny, like relatively small diamond painting, it took me uh, like hours, hours and hours and hours. And I really didn't, you know, I just saw these people, no, no judgment at all, no judgment. But I saw these people with these huge stashes and right, needing to buy storage units to um, hold their stashes and just having like challenges in their relationships with buying so many impulsively. And as a former impulsive spender, I've been there. I have fully been there. I know exactly what that feels like. And I really wanted to be mindful and intentional about it. And so I kind of asked myself, right, there's this this idea that I've been playing with of like, what is expansive and what is excessive when it comes to investing in ourselves, spending money on ourselves, whether that's stocks and bonds or like buying something that is going to be a spiritual, energetic, emotional investment for ourselves. Like what is expansive versus where's the line where it becomes excessive? And for me, what felt reasonable was, okay, I don't need a hundred diamond paintings. I really don't. That's, I'm not really trying to be a collector here. That's not what's going to do it for me. I want to, I want to have one diamond painting that I have as my work in progress and then I want to have one in my stash. So one that's ready to go so I don't have to worry about shipping and I don't have to have a time when I don't have a painting to work on because that would make me feel really uncomfortable. And so that's what I got. Two diamond paintings, one work in progress, one in the stash. And that's actually been working really well for me. Like I'll see these diamond paintings that I really want Um, but I'll just pop them on a wish list and, you know, I'll tell myself it's okay if they're out of stock, because if that one's out of stock, there's going to be 50, 10, 15 other ones that are in stock at the time that I'm ready to purchase my next one. So that feels safe and reasonable and logical and comfortable in my nervous system. And that has been a major win for me. 
So as I have been diamond painting, I have discovered some amazing, incredible, life-changing experiences that I want to share with you. And here is where I agree with Sam Garcia that I think it is important to have hobbies outside of work with conditions, right? I will add more context to this conversation and I will say that it's important to have hobbies outside of work that reflect the values that you want to carry with you into other areas of your life, right? Like, Not that every hobby has to have some kind of like um, moral or what's the word, ethereal, I don't know what the right word is, but like deeper, higher level reasoning. Like, yes, we can just do things for the joy of doing them, but I'm a pretty introspective person, so I like to take things in this direction. And I will say that I think it's important to have hobbies that reflect your values and your beliefs back at you, that remind you of the life that you wanna live and the person that you want to be. And so what I have found with diamond painting is that diamond painting reflects a lot of values that I have back at me. Number one, it reminds me of persistence, right? I, I work in small sections and so that is a constant reminder to my brain that it is safe to stop, it is safe to do a little bit, it is safe to leave and then come back, right? Pop in and out. Um, It is safe to practice transitions through diamond painting. I have it, and you know, the way I make that accessible is I have it kind of set up um, on a folding table in um, our living room area, I guess. Um, And so I can just write, everything's there, everything's set up. I can pop in, do a little bit, and then pop out. And so being persistent, right, continuing to come back to the things I want to do, doing just a little bit at a time, making it safe to pop in and out. All of that happens through diamond painting. And as I diamond paint, I get to see, right, the little progress that I make, it adds up right in front of my eyeballs. Like every little thing I do, right, the canvas grows and there's more sparkle and um, more sections get completed and more colors get added. And I literally see it happen in front of my eyes that the little tiny things that we do persistently add up over time. And when I look back to before I even knew about diamond painting, when I was hyper fixated on rock climbing, right? The reason why I was rock climbing so persistently was because it also reflected back a super core important value for me. Um, You know, it took a lot of intentional brain thinking for it to do that, but it did. And rock climbing for me was showing me that it is safe for me to be bad at something. It is safe for me to do it badly. It's safe for me to not be good at something. And that's okay. That's actually the whole point. I'm allowed to like doing things that I'm bad at. And rock climbing was a hobby that showed me exactly this, that it is safe for me to be bad at something and I can do it badly. I can actually like doing it badly. That can actually be the whole point. Like how mind blowing is that? And I will say with all of these experiences that I've had around these particular hobbies that I've done very intentionally, it is reverberated, it is echoed, it has poured into other areas and aspects of my life, right? These values, these beliefs, these perspectives, these ideas, they're not limited to the box of, oh, just rock climbing, that's it, or 
oh, just diamond painting, that's it. They pour out and pour over into areas of my work, areas of my relationships, other areas of my life. So having, you know, one experience or one uh, umbrella of experiences doesn't mean that it's limited to that experience. It means that it's evidence for my brain that like it's possible. So I can go, hey brain, remember when we did it this way and remember how good it felt? We can do that again here. It's evidence for our brains. All of these principles and concepts I applied to doing things like the dishes and putting away laundry and tidying a space and writing my email newsletter and doing this podcast. So I want to encourage you and invite you if you don't have an experience like this, right, where you're giving yourself an opportunity to show your brain that it is safe to do less, it's safe to come back, it's safe to do it badly. If you don't have something like this yet, I invite you so wholeheartedly to try to pick something up, something that maybe you've thought is interesting or that you've wanted to pursue or, you know, a little gentle hobby that, you know, your brain has the dopamine for and try it out. Try this experiment and see. Ask yourself, what values do you want to carry with you? What values do you want to be reflected back at you? And um, come at that hobby with intentionality of how you want to be showing up and what reminders you need. I think it doesn't matter so much what the hobby is, but what you feel called to do and your approach to doing it right? The same sort of um, principles could apply to doing crochet, to doing a painting or paint by numbers. Maybe for you it's rollerblading or maybe it's for you it's reading, right? All of these things have the possibility to, you know, if this is what you want to remind yourself, to show your brain that it's safe to do a little bit, that it counts, that all of the little tiny things that we do add up over time, that we have the opportunity to be persistent and to continue to coming back to the things that we want to do, that we can be imperfectionists instead of perfectionists, and that we can like doing things badly. Um, Again, those are mine. It might be different for you, but I think it could be really powerful to choose a hobby that reflects the values that you want to embody back at you in other areas of your life. So all of this brings me back to, you know, I mentioned video games and how I've been holding myself back from video games because I didn't want to get too invested, go too deep, dive in too much, and lose myself or lead myself into ruin. But I've also recently been experimenting with this, right? I decided to make an experiment out of it and see how does it feel? What lessons do I learn, right? I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm a completely different person. I know so much more about myself now. I'm so much better prepared What insights can I learn about myself from doing this? And I was talking with one of my clients on Instagram. Um, We were just having a conversation and it kind of led down this road. And what we realized together was that video games are art, right? Playing a video game is experiencing art, right? Like somebody had to design this, create this. There's voice acting involved. There is elaborate and intricate writing and character development and all of these things, that is art. That is a hundred thousand percent art. It's just art in a way that our society and culture frowns on. 
Reading books is also experiencing art. Reading fan fiction is experiencing art. Painting is experiencing art. Crochet, diamond painting. I mean, all of these hobbies are experiencing art in some way, shape, or form. Art through movement and the expression of our bodies, and I could go on. Capitalism and so much of our culture doesn't make space for experiencing art because it isn't valued. But experiencing art is essential for the spirit. Getting lost in a world, a fantasy world, a fiction world, is something that carries us away. And I don't mean that in a bad way, right? Sometimes we need that because we're going through some really hard stuff and carrying us ourselves away is a survival um, a survival technique. But other times, carrying ourselves away is joyful and Fun. Like, I can't think of a better experience than getting sucked into an amazing book or sucked into an amazing video game. Like, it is so joyful and fun and like, oh my gosh, this is even possible. How cool. So where I am now with this is this question that I have in my experiment of what if experiencing art in the ways that my brain wants to experience art is essential for my soul my spirit? What if it's nourishing? What if it feeds and fuels a part of me that desperately needs feeding and fueling? And what happens when that need is met? What happens then? What consequences, what reverberating actions follow such an event of feeding and nourishing this part of myself that craves experiencing art? And my fear, of course, is that I'm going to get completely swept away and sucked away and Uh, You know, here's my catastrophizing brain. I'm never going to want to do anything again. But what if something else was possible? What if my practice of persistence and doing a little bit and um, intentionally developing my skill for transitions, what if all of that, all of this work that I have done now benefits me in this one particular scenario um, for enjoying and experiencing art? What if it doesn't mean that I have to get completely swept away? Or I guess what I'm trying to say is, what if it doesn't mean that I totally lose myself? What if it is actually a form of finding myself? So that is my experiment and I'm going to figure that out. And so far this week, it's been lovely. I've still gotten all of my things done that I've wanted to get done. Um, the, The world has not fallen apart yet. Um, and it's going pretty well. So I hope this podcast was helpful. I hope it gave you some insights and I hope that this tool for developing your neuroplasticity and having, again, these kind of cascade effects um, for the, the beliefs and the values that we want to hold for ourselves, I hope that this is an accessible way of doing so. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening and I will see you all next week. Take care.